You may know Jonah from when you were a kid, learning about Jonah from kids' books or even from lessons when you're in Sunday school, or learning about Jonah from clips like the one we just saw. I remember when I was growing up, I would often feel sorry for Jonah because he had to be in the stomach of a giant whale. But since then, I've, I've learned that the Bible says that God prepared a fish to swallow Jonah. And I don't feel sorry for him now because he was in the belly of the fish, because that's really gross. I don't feel sorry for him about that. I feel sorry for him for why he had to be in the fish in the first place, but we'll get to that in a moment. To understand Jonah's prayer, which we are looking at today, Jonah's prayer can be found in chapter two of Jonah. But to understand his prayer, we need to go back through and look at the whole book of Jonah. So I do want to, I guess, challenge and encourage you this week to try and read the book of Jonah. It's a fairly short book. It's only four chapters long, and we are going to be going through them today. But I really want to encourage you just to read it so that you can understand Jonah and where he was at and how we relate to Jonah. So it's, it's one of the Old Testament books. It's towards the end of the Old Testament with the minor prophets. And so it's, it's a very short book. You might even be able to read it through in one sitting. So we, have, we did have a bit of a recap on the book of Jonah from the clip we just watched from Saddleback Kids. But I do just want to add a few things to give us a bit more background on Jonah and who he is and what is actually going on in, in the book of Jonah, in his life. So keep in mind, we will be going through this fairly quickly because it is still a book of the Bible. Um, so I do again want to encourage you to read the book of Jonah for yourself. But Jonah was a Hebrew prophet, which basically means he was one of the people that God would send to tell people about what he was doing. So here in Jonah chapter one, we find God call Jonah to go to the people of Nineveh. So in verse two, he says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So the people of Nineveh, just a little bit of background there is they were enemies of the Hebrew people of the Israelites. They did not get along well. So God was basically telling Jonah to go to his enemies and tell them, announce God's judgment upon Israel's enemies. But as we saw in that clip that we watched, Jonah said no and went the complete opposite direction. He boards a ship for Tarshish and gets comfortable and falls asleep. So as we go throughout the book of Jonah today, I'm just going to pull out a few different points and look at how they relate to us in our lives, but also how they impact his prayer and our prayers as well. So the first thing that we see is God called Jonah and Jonah ran in the opposite direction. Sometimes in life, God calls us to do something that might seem 
a little bit crazy or something big, something scary, something odd. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. We read a bit later that Jonah knew about God. Jonah knew that God loves people. And so he didn't want to go and say something that God told him to say and then see God do the opposite, which we will talk about a bit more. But maybe for some of you listening today, God has called you to do something, but you haven't done anything about it. Maybe you're walking or running in the opposite direction because the call that God has given you might make you look a bit silly or it might seem a bit ridiculous. God might be sending you to talk to some of your enemies, just like he was sending Jonah. Well, either way, Jonah said no and tried to get as far away from Nineveh, as far away from his call as he possibly could, as far away from God as he possibly could. Tarshish was considered to be one of the first places. It's kind of like the end of the earth. If you're trying to get away from someone and if you're trying to get away from God, it seemed like a great place to go. But God doesn't just stop there. God does something about this. God got Jonah's attention. So from from the clip that we saw, we know that God sent a storm, but God also sent a group of people to throw Jonah overboard, and God sent the giant fish. These three parts played a key aspect in getting Jonah's attention. This storm was a crazy big storm that absolutely terrified the sailors. They ended up praying to their gods and they were wondering why this was happening. So we read in Jonah chapter one, verses seven to 12. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Well, the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Sometimes we might head in a different direction to the one that God is calling us to. And sometimes God does things to get our attention. God may send some kind of tragedy, kind of like the storm that he sent for Jonah to get our attention. 
God may send some people to remind us that we're not living the way that he is calling us to live. He might send us a situation where we are given the opportunity to sit and spend time in, on, in reflection and in prayer, just as Jonah was given that opportunity when he ended up in the belly of the fish. This is not to say that every time something bad happens in our life, it's God trying to get our attention because we're heading the wrong direction because we've sinned or because something we've stuffed up or something. It's not saying that. But sometimes in our life, God does use things to get our attention, to pull us back to him, to remind us of the call that he has given us. For Jonah, it took some drastic measures to get his attention. A storm, a massive storm that looked like it was going to just destroy the boat and everyone on it. Jonah knew that God was getting his attention and he thought that God was punishing him by sending the storm. He thought that this storm would kill him as we will read in chapter two. And so the sailors, they throw Jonah overboard, but first they prayed to the Lord and they asked that they would not be responsible for his death. So in verse 15 of chapter one, it says, then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. So the sailors who didn't really, didn't follow God, the Lord our God, saw how mighty he was in this act of throwing Jonah overboard and then seeing the seas calm. And they committed, they vowed to serve God. So now Jonah is overboard and he's probably drowning and he's sinking in the sea. And this is where we see what happens next. Jonah prays to God. So we see God had finally got Jonah's attention in that very dramatic way. And I just feel like this next part of Jonah is very human because Jonah was a human just like you and I. And we see what he does in Jonah chapter two. He prays to God. So we're going to be reading all of Jonah chapter two, starting at verse one. It says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. 
I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifice to you, sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. So in Jonah chapter two, Jonah talks about his experience in the raging sea. We see how he talks of how he was at the point of death. And I can imagine that he really did nearly drown. He talks about how he sank down deep, how he was covered by the depths, how he had seaweed wrapped over him, and that as his life was slipping away, he cried out to God, and God heard him. We see Jonah feel he was almost at the place he was trying to run to. He was almost as far away from God's presence as he could be. And when he got to that point, he turned back to God and asked God to save him. We see Jonah say how he will offer sacrifices to God with songs of praise and how he will fulfill his vows. He knows that it really is only God who can save him, that it is God alone who gives him salvation. He knows that it is God alone who kept him alive in the belly of this fish. Jonah here acknowledges what the psalmists knew, that it is impossible to run from God's presence. Psalm 139 verses seven to 12 say, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day and darkness and light are the same to you. Jonah could not escape God's presence, even when he was down to the grave, dwelling in the depths of the ocean. He could not escape God's spirit. He could not get away from his presence. There may be times in our life when we feel distant from God. Maybe we thought we wanted to be in that place that was far from God. Maybe it was kind of a slow fade. 
and we didn't mean to end up that far away. But may we find comfort in the truth that we really can never run so far from God that he can't save us. We can never be so far that he can't hear us when we call out to him, when we call on him with an earnest heart and in earnest prayer. When we are in those situations or in those places, we can feel like we are just so far from God. We can feel like we're in the belly of a fish that we're heading in a different direction to our call. May we always remember that all we need to do is call and ask God to save us, just as Jonah did. See, even though Jonah was running from God, when Jonah cried out to God, God heard him. God still answered his prayer and saved him. And then God gave Jonah this time to sit, to reflect, these three days in the whale. It was time for him to stop and time for him to pray. Sometimes God gives us that opportunity to have that time with him. That as we return we were able to return to the one that we ran from. We were able to completely turn back to God. Jonah chapter two says, after this time, God sent the whale to spit Jonah out on the beach. And then the next thing happens, Jonah obeys God's call. And so we read this in Jonah chapter three, verses one to five. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. So after all that Jonah went through, after Jonah ran away from God, after Jonah was thrown into the sea, after he was in the belly of the fish and spent that time in prayer, Jonah obeys God. And he goes and tells the people of Nineveh what God wanted him to tell them in the first place. So Jonah does what God called him to do. And he literally just goes and says this really basic sermon saying that 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And it's a sermon that changes people's lives. The people of Nineveh listened to what Jonah had to say and they turned from their wicked ways. 
And in Jonah chapter three, verse 10, we read, when God saw what they had done, the people of Nineveh, and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. See, God is faithful and we've looked at over the past few weeks how God's heart is for all people to know him. He wants all people to turn to him. God sees repentant hearts. And so God saw the people of Nineveh. He saw that they were humbling themselves and fasting and prayer and putting on their burlap. They, he saw that they did not want to be living the ways that they had been. He saw their change of heart and change of life. And he sees that in us today as well. He saw the people of Nineveh's obedience and heard their prayers just as he heard Jonah's prayer. But the thing is, Jonah saw their change of heart too. And Jonah saw God's heart. And in Jonah chapter four, starting at verse one, it says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now. Lord, I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Have we ever had similar thoughts to what Jonah thought about the people of Nineveh? See, while Jonah did obey God in the end, and through his words, a whole city was saved, his heart was still not in it. I'm inclined to think that Jonah obeyed God out of obligation. He'd just been through that crazy situation. He'd just been in a stinky fish belly. No way would he want to go through that again. Some would say that in Jonah's prayer that we read in chapter two, that Jonah really did repent and that he prayed a prayer of confession and confessed his sin and turned to God. But as we read his prayer, as we read his prayer in chapter two and see his heart in chapter four, I'm inclined to see that he didn't repent of his sins. He was super thankful that God saved his life and he did obey God, but his heart was so bitter. He missed the joy of obeying God because his heart was all about himself. And he was more concerned with what he looked like than, than the lives of other people. A few weeks ago, we read a real prayer of repentance and confession from Daniel. Remember, Daniel was a righteous man. Daniel prayed to God three times a day. 
Daniel did not compromise anything of his character by what was going on around him. Even when he was threatened with death, Daniel committed to God. Daniel continued to pray to God because Daniel was so faithful. And so in Daniel, as we read chapter nine, a few weeks ago, we see this righteous man praying and saying that he had sinned and that he, he was confessing his sin and the sins of his people, declaring that they had sinned against God and that they had done the wrong thing. He confessed that God was right in what he had done in disciplining his people and sending them to Babylon. Daniel really did confess and pour out his heart to God. Jonah thanked God for saving him. Jonah was happy to be alive at that point. Not once did Jonah say in his prayer in chapter two that he had sinned. He did not say that God was right in what he had done. His prayer was a cry out to God to be saved. And I'm not saying that this is wrong. We should and we need to run to God when we're in those situations. We can cry out for his help all the time, no matter what. But what I'm saying is that Jonah's heart was still caught up in what he wanted rather than what God wanted. It's almost like when you aren't really sorry for what you've done, you're only sorry that you got caught. And so when Jonah sees God love his enemies, he felt mad. And it's just so human of Jonah. We, we do it too. When we see someone who maybe they hurt us in the past or we see someone who we think could never become a Christian and because of their lives were so sinful, we can think, God, why would you save that person? Or we can think, God, that person doesn't deserve your grace. You, don't you know that they've lived a life full of sin? That's the thing about God's love. The thing about God's grace is he isn't selective based on our past. He's concerned about our hearts now. So when we turn to God, when we say, God, I don't want to live this life in sin anymore. When we get rid of our old way of life and we turn to him completely, he has compassion on us because he loves us. He binds up and heals our wounds and our brokenness. No matter where we have come from, God gives this opportunity to everyone. He gives it to us today and he did give it to the people of Nineveh at that time, but he also gave it to Jonah. As we said before, Jonah is more concerned about his appearance than his obedience. So Jonah became very angry with God because he had shown these people compassion. 
As I said before, the people of Nineveh were some of Israel, Israel's biggest enemies, and they really were not good people. And Jonah really didn't want them to be saved. But he knew that God was compassionate. He knew that God was loving. And so he knew that if these people heard this message that he was going to give, that they had that opportunity to turn from their evil ways. They had an opportunity to choose God instead, and he really didn't want that to happen. If he went and told them that they would all die, and then they didn't, he would look like a fool and feel like going, him going to them was just a complete waste of time. He didn't want to appear foolish because God chose not to destroy them. So again, sometimes in our life, God gives us a certain call and it may seem ridiculous or it may seem scary or we might have to go and talk to someone we don't want to, but we all have the choice to obey. We could have to go and talk to people that we don't want to talk to we might have to humble ourselves in a way that really impacts our pride. Sometimes we are given one opportunity. Jonah was given a second opportunity to obey God after he was spit up by the fish. We don't always get that second opportunity, but sometimes we do. And one thing I've said before, and I often have to remind myself is that obedience isn't convenient or obedience isn't always convenient. There are many reasons why we might not want to obey God. We might look silly, we might make mistakes, we might have to give up something or someone, we might have to sacrifice a lot. We might have to go in a different direction to what we think we should be going on. It's not always convenient or easy, but Obedience to God is always, always worth it. And the Bible tells us that obedience is better than sacrifice. We read that in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. It says, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Obedience is better than what we bring to God, so to speak. It tells us that when we obey God, it shows us that we love him. It's our faith and love in action. Obedience is our faith and love in action. John 14 verse 15 says, if you love me, obey my commands, obey my commandments. When we are obedient to God, I believe that it makes God smile. It's the same way when I ask my kids to do something and they obey me, it makes me smile and it makes me feel so proud of them. I know that they're listening and I know that they love me. It's, it's a similar thing, but different because it's God. Our obedience to God can show 
just how much we love him, just how much we respect him and honor him and how willing we are to follow him. And just think if, if it makes my heart happy when my kids obey me, how much joy must God have when he sees us obey him? The book of Jonah ends kind of suddenly with no real resolution. And in the last few verses of Jonah, chapter four, Jonah is still mad. God gives him the opportunity again to repent. We don't know if he has a heart change. Maybe, maybe through the lessons that God was teaching him, Jonah did have a heart change and a new love for God and a new love for others. Maybe he learnt to obey God out of love rather than obligation. We aren't actually told. <laughs> but for us, each of us are given that choice to follow, to follow God or to follow our own desires in our own ways. So we can learn a lot from the book of Jonah and from Jonah's prayer. So today I want to just leave you with some of the important lessons from all that we've just heard and read. There is, firstly, there is nowhere we can run that God cannot reach out and save us. So Jonah was running as far as he could from God's call. We may feel we want to run from the call God has for us, or we may feel that we've drifted from God, but no matter where we are or where we end up, God can reach us there, even if it's in the depths of the sea, even through sending a giant fish to hold us and to keep us safe wherever we are. God may use situations to get your attention. Now, I'm not saying that this is always the case. However, for me personally, I do know that the current situations that I'm going through have caused me again to run to God in a different way. Even the global crisis that we are in has caused many, many people to be open to God and to turn to Him. So sometimes God uses situations to grow us and to draw us closer to him. May we always be paying attention to what he is doing around us. Another lesson we can learn is that God hears our prayers when we are in the depths. So even though Jonah was as far as he could be from God, God heard his prayer and God saved him. And God can save you too, no matter how far down you are, he can hear you and he can save you. Another lesson is obedience isn't always convenient. Again, we might be called to do something, something uncomfortable or something just that's not convenient in our life. It may even be something like reading your Bible and praying each day. You may have to sacrifice more time to ensure that you get that into your day, or it might be something like talking to another person or even forgiving another person. It could be about moving, 
could be staying put. But whatever it is, it isn't always going to make sense to us in the moment or make sense to us even in our lifetime. But obedience is so important for us as Christians because it draws us closer to God. It points other people to God and it helps us to grow more in love with God. The more we obey him, the more we are able to trust him, but he's also able to trust us with other things as well. We learn and see that God's heart is for all people. And this is a message that's throughout scripture. God's heart is for all people, even our enemies, even the people who we think don't deserve to be saved. This does not mean that God loves what evil people do. The Bible is clear that God hates sin, that he, he hates evil. But if those people would turn from their evil ways, he will show them his grace, just as he has shown us his grace, just as he has shown us his love. So God's heart is for all people. And the final lesson is each day we have that choice to follow him, just like Jonah was given. We have the choice to choose who we will follow, who we will obey each day. So the question is, who will we follow? Today, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Maybe there is a certain aspect of Jonah, of his life, that stands out to you today. I really want to encourage you to just run to God, no matter where you are today. If you feel far from God or if you need him to save you, maybe you're struggling with obedience or you're struggling with other people. If you want to choose him, but it's hard, no matter what, I want to encourage you to run to God, to run to the Father. He is here to guide us, to help us through all things, and he is here to save us. So I want to take some time now to pray for you. And so again, no matter where you are at today, no matter how far we may feel, God is there, God is here, and his arms are open, ready, ready to just pick you up and hold you, no matter where you're at today. If you're in a situation where you just feel like you just need to say, God, save me. Cry that out to him. Will you pray with me now? Father God, we thank you for your word, for the time we are able to spend in it, the ability that you've given us to read it, to hear it, to learn it, and the access that we have to it. We thank you so much for the people in your word that we can learn so much from their lives. We can learn so much about how we can live, but we can learn so much about you. And so as we reflect on the life of Jonah, 
Father, may we always run to you. May we not run from you, but run to you. May we be people who obey your call. May we not be afraid to talk to people, to share with people the message that you give us, the calling that you give us. Father, may we be people who seek you. Lord, if anyone listening today feels so far from you, may they find the courage to call out to you, to reach out to you today. Lord, may they recognize your love for them, your peace that can only come from you. For those who are struggling, maybe in obedience, may they recognize their hearts, their heart for you, and see that obedience to you is so much better than anything else. Father, we lift up those people in our lives, those people who have hurt us or hurt those we care about, those people who we think do not deserve your grace. And we just pray for them too. Lord, that even though they are so far from you, we ask that you would help us to forgive them. But also, Lord, we pray that they would come to know you. Lord, if our hearts are struggling in that area, may you help us to love like you love. Not to say that the hurt is okay, but to know that you love us and you love them. Thank you so much, God, that we can run to you no matter what we are going through, that you are always there for us, that all we have to do is call out to you and you hear us. And so, Father, we call out to you today. We ask for your help. We ask for your guidance, for your love to just change our hearts, that we would again be people who love you, people who love others, people who obey you. Lord, may you get all the glory in our lives. May people recognize, recognize your work in our lives and the lives around us. And again, God, may you get all the glory. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.